Hi there, everyone. I'm Gwen Jones, and welcome once again to the I'm a Rotarian podcast, the weekly podcast where I introduce you to amazing people that proudly call themselves Rotarians. This week, I'm introducing you to the governor-elect for District 5050, Beverly Harrington. Beverly joins me from her house via Zoom, and uh, after all those travels, being safely home feels kind of good, at least till next week. So join me, won't you? Beverly Harrington, District Governor-Elect, joins me this week on the I'm a Rotarian podcast. Thanks for joining me. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm so happy that you're with us. Thank you for touring all those foreign countries with me over the last couple of weeks. But this week, we're going to keep it right here in the continental United States. And we're going to talk to Beverly Harrington, who is the district governor-elect of my very district here in 5050. I'm sure you've heard me talk about this before. We are called 5050 because 50% of us are in Canada and 50% of us are in Washington State. So I'm back to some of my locals this week. Thank you so much for joining me, Beverly, Miss District Governor-Elect. It's so nice to have you. Nice to be here. Well, I am thrilled to say that you are a part of what a lot of people are, are already kind of calling the Year of the Woman in Rotary. We have uh, Miss Jones, that will be our international president. We have you, that's going to be a female district governor. Uh, I will be the, go- the president of my very group. So there's, there's three women of power as we speak. Are you just about ready to take over the job? Are you ready? Um, no, no. <laughs> lots of training. You know, it's a long, it's a long time of training uh, for this position. It's a three years of training before you are actually district governor. Wow. So are you it's excited? Are you already? Oh, yeah, I'm really, it's really interesting. You learn so very much. You meet so many really neat people mm-hmm. when we're able to, when we have our international training, we meet people from all over the country and soon all over the world and the speakers that they have and the presentations are so um so special and i keep learning new things and keep writing out new things and say okay i want to do this with my the people i work with and it's just you're ready to you're it's like i want to do that now i want to do that now i want to yeah if you only you're only you're only district governor for 12 months they give you a lot of things to do you're going to have to you know windle it down to what exactly you're going to be able to do during your 12 months you have a lot of time to think about that and to plan your goals and and you have a lot of example before you and in our district we have great district leaders we've had lots of women district governors mm-hmm. the person just before me carol tickleman is yes is district governor and uh, a couple years before two others in a row. So we have lots of women in, in our district, both as district governors and in all kinds of leadership positions. Wow. All right. Well, let's, let's, let's grab these questions, shall we? Let's you ready okay. for them. You said, you said that you had, you had done your homework. It's funny. Some people fly right off the seat of their pants and just say, let's do it. And other people study. So uh, I thank you for being a part of it and uh, we'll see where it takes us. So, What's your earliest recollection of Rotary? So when was the first time that, uh, what was your first experience with the organization? Probably through my brother. 
one of my other. brothers okay. one of my brothers uh, was a rotarian for many many years i remember seeing his plaque with the gavel on it that he'd been rotary club president and interestingly enough he never mentioned to me that women could join rotary oh really <laughs> really <laughs> yes did he i mean i'm sure he knew it just never did it just never dawn on him that he didn't think that you know oh, my sister wouldn't want to be in rotary that's that's boring I, I i don't know i should ask him at some point <laughs> next time maybe i'll think to ask him we have a good relationship so right. uh, it isn't that and we do see each other although we live he lives in california mm -hmm. but yeah, he never mentioned it so uh, that was interesting and then when i saw in 2005 there was a full page advertisement in our newspaper about rotary about the anniversary of the founding of rotary and mm -hmm. it invited people to join and said women women can join right and i thought great so i showed up at a meeting not understanding i needed a sponsor <laughs> ah okay <laughs> but I knew probably half of the room because I'd been in business in the community for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And so it was welcomed. And so that's how I got into Rotary. How funny. Mm -hmm. So then, so what then what made you want to join? It was just such a, you saw this invite. That's how you were associated with it. But what actually made you want to join? What made it went from I'm interested to I'm going to follow in my brother's footsteps? What? <laughs> I wouldn't put it exactly that way. <laughs> okay. he, is my, he is my younger brother. <laughs> oh, oh touche. Okay. All right. There we go. But I, I think probably I, I knew somehow, I knew that Rotary was a service organization. And I had been trained early on in my career. I, my initial career was as a credit union CEO. Okay. And credit unions are a social movement who happen to do it through banking. Um, but they have a lot of training on the social aspect, the development aspect. So I was trained many years ago in development education. And we would do projects through the credit union within the community to assist the community. And then I thought Rotary, when I got into Rotary, it does it all the time. It's its focus mm -hmm. and, and service above self. And the club that I joined was very... Uh, open to new ideas and encouraging people who came in and so i got a lot of encouragement right off the bat when i suggested other rotary clubs do dictionaries for third graders would you like to do th dictionaries for third this third grade group right. in, at the school near me and they said oh yeah that'd be great let's do it for the whole district and that's how mm -hmm. it would go all the time so as things I might suggest something or see something very, very open. I was on the board almost immediately. Mm -hmm. I wasn't president for a long time because I was very busy, busy with a rotary project. And so that took up all my time. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So once I, once I even walked through the door, I, th I felt at home because I knew so many people right. and I was very welcoming. But the one thing I would say to people is ask, ask, ask. All right, so we've teased your brother about being in Rotary because the the next question I usually ask is is uh, is anybody else in your family in Rotary? And so we already know that that's a yes. But why do you think? I mean, I would say overall that less than ten percent of the people that I talk to tell me that they have other family members that are in Rotary, be it 
you know, brother, sister, husband, wives. Why do you think we're such a solo group? Why do you think that it's like one person's in Rotary, but we never, what do you think's tying us up from going to our sisters and brothers and aunts and uncles and friends and cousins and saying, hey, I belong to Rotary. Why don't you come to one of my, why isn't it a family organization? Well, we have a lot of spouses in our club. Mm-hmm. And we have are they actually too. members? Are they actually They're members? members? They are members. members. Okay. They're members. So we don't experience that. In my own situation, my husband is not a joiner. Mm-hmm. And he is 1,000% supportive of me. So totally encouraging to do what I need to do, to be gone when I need to be gone. So even when people aren't Rotarians, they may very much be a part of it. Okay. Like my, my staff and my office, mm-hmm. they know all about Rotary because people are always dropping something off or coming in or they're hearing what I'm doing <laughs> right now. They'll walk through when we're doing the podcast because their break room is behind me. Uh, <laughs> so so it's, I don't think it's that people don't know about Rotary. It may just for, for them might not be a time mm-hmm. in their life, but there, there's a lot of support out there for people who are not actually in the club for those who are. So you think there's almost like a, a, a like a little silent minority, like the the backups to everybody, necessarily. Oh, yeah. So that, yeah, because you you can anytime you're in leadership, you need help. Mm-hmm. You True. need help, and you know, I am gone so often. For instance, in my home with mm-hmm. Zoom now, my husband asks me on a daily basis because he does the cooking. When when will dinner be tonight? When would you like dinner? <laughs> I. Yeah, it sounds a lot like my house. Yeah, and so so some people could say, wait a minute, we have dinner at this time, you can't have a meeting. This isn't the case. So you have all that support that allows you to do what you're doing, and that's Mm -hmm. just a lovely thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then you've been in, how many many years have you been in Rotary? 16, 15, 16, since 2005. So, wow. So that's, you've been, you've been there a while. So Mm -hmm. then there has to be some moments in your rotary work that have just been truly inspirational for you. Can you share with us one of those? What's been a really amazing inspirational story that you've seen or done in rotary? What I found probably the most inspirational is early on, I went to a international conference and I learned about a program that was used helping students who were in grade 11 to do service in their local community internationally. Mm-hmm. So I learned about that program and then brought it to the Burlington Rotary Club. And we started what's called Youth Engaged in Service. So every year since probably 2008, mm-hmm. wow. we have had probably six to 10 students who are in grade 11 who meet for a whole, uh, for every month for a whole year, do 80 hours of service in their local community, and then do an international service project in Guatemala or Honduras. I have been on the majority of those trips with the Mm -hmm. students and working with them every year. And now we've expanded, fortunately, I'm not everything. And so there's (laughs) lots of people involved. So, The inspiration comes from when you go to a village in Guatemala. Mm -hmm. The first one I went to was Nuevo Santiago. 
people were living in shacks mm-hmm. with walls kept tied together with twine from grain bags or something and plastic for roofs. So the rain would come in. Right. And they were happy. In the first year we went to that village, we happened to take pictures of all the families. Mm -hmm. And so we could bring them back the next year. And when we came back the next year with the pictures, it was so meaningful to people because they had no pictures of their families. And in fact, one of the families had lost a family member. So it was, it was really touching to know that this simple thing that we did Mm -hmm. was so easy for us, was so meaningful to other people. And of course there were lots that we did within the village in terms of the projects we did and other ways of enhancing their food supply and right and their general conditions and actually when i when i left that time it was either that time or the second year it might have been the second year we're in that village because we went three years to that village i got a letter from the village they handed me this two-page document mostly signed with thumbprints because so many of the people are illiterate asking me to help them because of these plastic roofs and the rain would come in and their children would get sick. Well, our program is not one of handouts. So I thought and thought, how can we do this in a way that's meaningful and appropriate? Right. And I thought, well, I'm willing to, to pay for a person to have a metal roof and maybe some other people in my club might be. And how much, how much was a metal roof? It was $200. Okay. And so I came back to the club and I said, here's the situation. These people need roofs. Are you willing to supply a roof? So I immediately had that 40 roofs taken care of. So I took pictures of everyone who was donating. And then when I went back to the village, I said, here are the people who are helping you. And I took a picture of them and brought it back to the people who had donated. So it was a person-to-person relationship. Not a handout, but we care about you and we want to know who you are. I love it. So that was really, really special. And it, was, it only happened because people in the club were so supportive and, and so interested in, in service. Really. Right. And, I, you know, it, it, I, I, love, I love stories like that. And the one thing I also found out is when you were telling us that is that you said that and they were happy. I think I think when we're when we're forced to look at stuff like that, what makes me happy, you know, as I'm sitting here with my computer and my microphones and my this and my that, this makes me happy. And what's funny is that I think I think it's a great a juxtaposition to go and do something like that. So when you can sit there and go, well, you know what, a roof would make these guys happy. A roof, Definitely. you know, and all of a sudden you're like, hmm, wow. <laughs> You know, it's, it stops you. I think, I think, I think that's the one thing about Rotary. And when I hear these stories of people that that seems to be the biggest thing that they really love to hear really that that inspires them is it's just kind of, it makes this like mental note of what we have compared to others kind of thing. And you know, and it's impacted me. I I live small now. I live in a small, in a small home, actually a studio apartment. And because I thought, this is crazy. I have so much. If I live smaller, I can do more. Mm-hmm. And people being happy caused me to say, okay, 
it isn't things that make you happy. It's uh -huh. relationships that make you happy. And how to put more of that in my life and more focus. And now, of course, with COVID, we're needing to do that, aren't we? Yeah, definitely. I mean, who knows? Maybe when I'm doing this podcast years from now, somebody will say, well, there was this, like, 20, 18 to 24 months where we had this thing called COVID. And all of a sudden, we had to all reevaluate what was important to us. And who? Mm -hmm. And who? And who? Wow. Well, let's let's shift gears a little bit. Um, and I this I am really fascinated when I do these podcasts how this becomes almost the controversial question and or the uh, exciting question, and that's to talk about the four way test. The four way test is, as we know, rather one of the building blocks of Rotary and how a Rotarian is to behave. What does the four way test mean to you? Well. It it encourages me to think about what I'm doing mm. and to question, okay, is, is this just really what I want? Have I found out what other people want, especially in the work environment? Yes. Uh, right now I'm reading a book called Ask Powerful Questions. Ooh, that sounds interesting. And one of the things it said was, what would happen if we talked more with questions rather than periods? What so, if we, so what they, if we talked more with questions instead of periods? Mm -hmm. Okay. If our sentences, some, something like that. And so instead of indicating to, to the staff something, okay, I want this done, or it should be done this way, it might be a question of um, how have you come about doing it this way? Or what's so, a better way to do it? Or yeah, huh? Yeah, just to, and so it's kind of interesting. So I think the four-way test really uh, helps me to think a little bit, not all the time, but I try. Right. And also to recognize when you're doing service above self, what is my intention? What is what is my intention? So as we, as president of your club, you have a lot of opportunity to make change, or you're delegating, or whatever. Mm -hmm. So what's what's the intention behind what's being done? Is it is it to make you look better? Is it to make things move forward? If someone is doing something in a different way than you might do it, does it really matter? Wow, you know. So I yeah. think it it's just um, I think it's looking a little bit inward and being aware of. Rare of your world a little bit more. Mm -hmm. That's a well, yeah. That that's making me, you know, put my finger to my temple and think about that. That is, it is my presidential year next year, and I, I do. I always concentrate on the the five or six words at the very beginning that always get kind of passed over, and that is of the things we think, say, or do. Exactly. You know, it's like we're supposed to be taking a breath in before we do them. And that best for both concerns, and I know my podcast, my, my podcast audience will know I say this all the time, that best for both concern or all concern may not be what you want. <laughs> just what I'm discovering these days is that just because it's best for everybody, it's best for everybody. That sometimes doesn't mean your way. It means the best for everybody. I mean, Rotary is a democracy. Sometimes you don't get your, or as fast, you, sometimes you don't get your way as fast as you want kind of thing. It's an interesting question. So then what about service above self? What does that mean? 
because that's been a question that's either been very esoteric you know it's there's a vast world and i need to give myself 100 percent and or it's been rather service above self where i've had people that have said i don't know if i agree with it you know put the put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it give it to somebody else so what does service above self mean to you i think service above self and when we serve is just a gift to ourselves okay because when we serve someone we feel good mm -hmm. we feel good in several ways one that we're able to do it that we have the means Mm -hmm. to do it or the time to do it and then we have an experience that we wouldn't have had otherwise yeah okay i get that so it's, it's so it so just the act of service is serving yourself in a way it's it's, it's a slingshot it goes back and forth well and i and i think you know we i i was born in san mateo california middle class family three brothers. I was in the middle. Mm -hmm. My dad was a mailman. My mother raised us. It was a pretty... Rather a, I was going to say rather Norman Rockwell-esque, yeah. if I do say so. Kind of nor normal <laughs> upbringing. <laughs> you know, went to high school, went to college. Anyway, all the normal things. When I was the first time and many times afterwards going to Guatemala for these projects through Hands for Peacemaking, we passed through a village called San Mateo. Okay. Wow. This village looked nothing like where I grew up. The people look, people's where they were living and all, and the stores looked nothing like what I had experienced. And it certainly occurred to me, how was it that I got born in San Mateo, California, and not San Mateo, Guatemala? And we have to think yeah. about that. We are so fortunate, particularly as women. We are so incredibly fortunate to have been born, for me, here in the United States. Right. All that was just automatic mm -hmm. in my life and not born in another area where it would not have been and life would have been quite very different. Mm -hmm. And because I have incredible good fortune, both in health and my business, financially, I'm able to, to do something something to mm -hmm. give to those who don't have something and again and it, yeah i was gonna say and then it gets that gets back to that you know you you turned on a faucet at your house and in san mateo and it was there and the water was there and oh, yes. there's probably food in the refrigerator just fine and i'm sure and there, was a a toilet that, there was a toilet that flushed toilet that flushed and there was a roof on it you know it's it's kind of like the difference i mean we we jokingly say there's a big difference between Paris, France and Paris, Texas, but they're spelt the same way, mm -hmm. you know, same town. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So then this is something that I think there's, well, let's have a little fun. There's a, there's a lot of rotary clubs all over the place, right? We are a world organization. Where you been? Where, where have you traveled? And I'm, and I'm saying before, before zoom, because, you know, I can, I can say I've been around the world now with Zoom. But before Zoom, have you had a chance to visit other Rotary Clubs? And what were they like? Well, I visited a lot of the Rotary Clubs in our district uh, promoting the, the Youth Engaged in Service Program. They were all quite different. Mm -hmm. You knew you were in a Rotary meeting. And it was very interesting because 
when I was just initially in the first club that I joined, the club I'm still in, mm -hmm. I thought that was Rotary. Well, Rotary has many different ways of operating, but it always feels like Rotary. And I've been to Rotary meeting in Honduras several times and a Rotary meeting in Guatemala. Mm -hmm. And in Guatemala, the first Rotary meeting I went to, it was five or six people meeting in a very small room, seemed just like my club. When I went to a Rotary meeting in Honduras, it was um, in a very wealthy person's home who had help in their home wow. and laid out an incredible dinner for all of us. That was so, but it was still Rotary. It was still yeah. Rotary. So no matter which where I've been, I feel like I'm home because people are welcoming and friendly and you just have that bond as a Rotarian. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a great comfort when I travel knowing, because I've been all over the world, knowing that if I get into trouble, I can find a Rotarian who's going to put anywhere. me in the path. Yeah. Anywhere. Anywhere. Because we're all over the world. And I think that's just a very warm feeling. So then what do you think our impression, what do you think the impression of Rotary is to the rest of the world? So what do you think the rest of the world may think Rotary is or does? I think they think that Rotary cares. Rotarians care. Okay. They care. They bring help. They, they talk to people like they matter. They're not mm -hmm. just putting things on top, coming in, running away kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but that they care. Mm -hmm. So and, you think, especially with the projects, like we actually get to know the people, a Rotarian isn't, you're saying that instead of places that just kind of sweep in, maybe drop down supplies and get out, that we're actually more of a hands-on getting to know you kind of, kind of organization. Exactly. And, and you know, and that's the experience I've definitely had with hands for peacemaking because when they do their projects, they, talk first with the villagers what do the villagers think they're needing and what will they contribute to the process the first time we went to a village and we were installing stoves everyone had to put a little bit of money into getting their stove right what to us was a little bit of money and they had to sign a document saying that they would take care of it and they wouldn't sell it and almost everyone in that room signed and mostly women signed Mm -hmm. for for the stove they signed with their thumb wow. but they still they made a commitment to it and mm -hmm. and then the organization comes back and helps the people to continue to uh, take care of it to know do other things with the village mm -hmm. we planted a garden one year the the organization came back and helped people learn how to cook what we what we planted Oh, that's great. And how to increase, yeah, how to improve their diet. So I think it's important to look at when you're doing a project to look at sustainability. Rotary is, Rotary International right now is a real focus on sustainability. It's very right. much, I visited a project our club did in uh, Ecuador when I was in a group study exchange group there. The project was totally not being used. It was a water project. No one had ever gone back to check it or to find out what's going on. And I asked, why is this not being used? It was five years old, this project. They had hit salt water. Oh, okay. And so 
they couldn't use it. But there was no follow-up. It was a one-off. It was a one-off that our club did because they knew somebody in that area. It was a great project, raised great money. We thought there was a connection, but right. there wasn't There wasn't uh, enough of a connection for a follow-up. So it's really, really important in doing a project to, one, talk with the people to find out what they need, not what we think they need, and then to to go there to personalize it show that love that care mm-hmm. besides what you're doing and then to follow up come back again check mm-hmm. to see what's happening and that's I, and I love that statement that you just said that we go down there and find out what the need is not what we think they need and that's mm-hmm. that's something to kind of put a pin in and think it out I think that because we are such a prosperous country because we are such a uh, we do think we know a lot us Americans and us Canadians and us North Americans, I should say. We we, well, we do really think we kind of know everything. I will admit that I think I know everything. I'm wrong, but I still think, you know, that we do. And, I think that is a problem with projects that people think. And it can, be qu- it can be quite accidental. The, the first village That's we went true. to, we, we bought pigs for them and constructed a pig barn so they'd have nutrition. And the idea was everyone would help the school children with, with, with the school. They would feed these pigs, and then they'd benefit from selling the pigs and have more nutrition. Right. Well, when people are starving to death, they they're not the willing pigs. to help feed something else. And, and there was no sense of we're all in this together because right. what they were in together was starving. But uh, communal effort to make this happen in the future wasn't something that they could grasp. And so it failed. And so it failed. The project failed because that project wasn't considered from the bottom up. There was no conversation about who will actually take care of these pigs. How will this actually work? And is that coming from maybe a, rea- a reactionary stance as opposed to maybe more of a thought process stance? I mean, do we just like, and, and I'm not picking on Rotary here, I would say all civics organizations that want to do good for the world, do we just kind of come in and say, ooh, there's a fire, put out the fire. And instead of finding mm-hmm. out that, you know, there's, there's more to it than just a fire kind of thing. I mean, well, is that and just- it, it's a learning process. A learning process. It's a learning process. And so you learn and, and you say, okay, well, this is something we weren't aware of. And then you, then you do better. You know, what you do, Maya Angelou said that. Yeah. When you know no, more, you'll do better. You do better. Yeah. yeah. So, so you, then you do better. And we do that in our clubs. We do better as we progress. We do better as human beings as we are involved. Right. Yeah. No better, do better. So then uh, how, how different is Rotary? How different is Rotary than 2005? How, 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 is, how is Rotary doing? How's it changed since you came into it? Well, my experience has been mostly with my club. Mm-hmm. Has it changed at all? No. It's, it's, a, it's been a great club from the beginning. I think what we're changing, perhaps like in our district, mm-hmm. and that was the cause of COVID. Our district almost immediately came up with $10,000 for each of the 12 areas in our district to do a project in response to COVID. Mm-hmm. This was in March, April right. last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it was given to the areas, and there are four or five clubs in each area. Mm-hmm. 
And the only thing was, here it is, has to be COVID related, and you all get to decide how you're going to use this money. Mm -hmm. So because they had it as a group, they came together and they talked about what is it we would like to um, contribute to. And they really enjoyed that. And so I think that's a positive thing that's happened that I'd like to see continue on. What else can we do to encourage clubs to work together on a service project or even maybe a fundraiser or interchange their meetings so they can learn from each other? Because that is the one thing about Rotary. We do learn as we go to different clubs and see things and say, well, let's bring that. That's how I learned about dictionaries and came to my club. Why don't we do that? Mm -hmm. So, and I I happened to be visiting another club up in Hope, and they had a a tall post clock, one of those clocks you see in front of uh, a public building, maybe. Right. Mm -hmm. It had rotary on it. I thought, what a great idea. So when I was president, I was tasked with coming up with a major project, and I thought, wouldn't that be neat, right in front of our our, uh, Chamber of Commerce, to have one of these clocks right downtown. Mm -hmm. And the club came together and the community came together and we put up that clock and that's going to be there for a long time, this clock. And it says rotary right on it. So we learn from each other. So as we travel around, we can learn from each other. And Mm -hmm. I think it's really, and we're comfortable sharing. So I think rotary is really special in that way. Yeah. I had, I I know some of that money that you guys allocated, uh, came here to uh, Woodby, and our four groups got together and uh, p- provided a PPE to our local hospital. Uh-huh. And it was the first time that all of us had all worked together. I mean, I was introduced to people that live on my island 20 minutes away or 40 minutes away, and that was, I had to admit, it was slightly embarrassing that we hadn't reached out. So, yeah. So, as your president, think of things you could do together, Gwen. Yeah, absolutely. Process move along. Yeah. So, how do you think we can grow in the future? Uh, Our numbers are dwindling. We keep hearing that, much to my chagrin. And I've had some, uh, I actually had a person on the podcast said that that e-meetings or e-clubs are not the answer. Um, What do you think the answer is? How do you think we can get more Rotarians? Well, the answer is relationship. Okay. The answer is, is, yeah, caring about people. And I think we really need uh, an influx of new leaders. What, what we hear often from leaders, particularly as they move into the governor line, mm-hmm. oh, it's so much work, or this happened, or I had to deal with this. But, right. And we, and we never hear, I got to meet the Rotary International president one-on-one. Right. He knows he knows who I am. I know who he is. Mm-hmm. And that's really special to me. And I got to travel to this place that I never would have gone to mm-hmm. and meet all these other people because I'm in leadership. Mm-hmm. And so I think we need to change the conversation. We need to talk about the tremendous opportunities that are in leadership and being president of our club and how we can bring in a new idea, move things forward show more caring. When I, when I was present, I was concerned that we only gave awards at the end of the year. And hmm. I thought, people do things all year long. Right. So I developed what I called the lollipop award. And when someone did something kind of special in the club, or I would give them a lollipop. Well, the first time I gave out this award, a good friend of mine in the club said, oh, she's recognizing the suckers. <laughs> what? I, 
I thought I was oh, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, oh, okay. I just kept doing it. Okay. And I did it all year long. And so all year long, I was watching, what is somebody doing? What did, did somebody do something special for the auction? Did somebody just acknowledge someone in the club mm -hmm. and would give out these lollipops and very specifically say what it was for? At the end of the year, the same person who had, who had you know, disparaged it in the beginning, making right. light of it, and another person presented me with this huge board stuck in it said thank you in lollipops and filled with over 250 lollipops oh my god how funny so the club obviously embraced it right and and that was really exciting and so i think it's we have such opportunities mm -hmm. in leadership that's something that hadn't been done before that really changed the tenor of the, of the club the tone and mm -hmm. so you as president will have that and so and even being a member of the club, you can bring a new idea in. Mm -hmm. So leadership takes many forms. It doesn't always have a title. It's important to think about what a, a privilege it is, how much personal growth we can experience, and that we have an opportunity to have meaning in what we're doing. So mostly in our lives, we're we're cooking, we're cleaning, we're raising kids, we're working, whatever. And right. then you step out of your comfort zone a little bit and you get this incredible gift. Mm. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. That's going to be exciting. So if, if we met on an elevator and I saw your rotary pin and uh, I was not a Rotarian and I said, what's that pin and what is that rotary club? What would be your classic elevator speech to somebody oh who's interested in rotary? Be my pin. Hmm. Somebody, yeah, somebody said, what's Rotary? Why would I want to join Rotary? What would you say to them? Well, I would say Rotary gives you an opportunity to make lifelong friends. Hmm. You'll make lifelong friends and you'll do things that will help you to feel valuable and connected in your community. Nice. I join Rotary. Oh, I already am. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Beverly, that just about wraps it up, uh, future district governor or governor-elect. Do you have any final thoughts or anything for us? Or mm, Just encourage people, <laughs> step, out of your, step out of your comfort zone. So, comfort and zone. so many Rotary Clubs, so many leadership positions, people wait to be kind of pushed into it, or they say, I was railroaded. Say, wow. thanks. You know, I, I wasn't the... I took a long time before I was asked to be president. Mm -hmm. I could have said anything about that. I said, great. Now I get an opportunity to do this. Think of it as an opportunity and go for it. And, and you'll get rewarded more than you ever would have imagined. I love it. Well, Beverly, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. I know you have been incredibly busy. I will tell my audience that we have been trying to work this out since spring. And uh, because you are the district governor-elect and you also have a life, you've been more than a little bit busy. So I thank you so much for your time this afternoon. And, uh, and uh, I hope that will I go, I will see you very soon. And I want to see your garden soon, too. Oh, sounds like a plan. All right. Okay. Take care. <laughs>
So, by this time next year, I will be the president of Rotary Club of Woodby Westside, and by this time next year, I'll have awesome support from my district governor, Beverly Harrington. Thank you so much, Beverly, for joining me this week on the podcast. I'm looking forward to next year. It should be a lot of fun for both of us. Well, just like that, another episode is drawing to a close. So the usual bit of business, if you like the podcast, please tell a friend, have them subscribe and download. And if you have a Rotarian that I should know about, please let me know about them. You can reach me at rotarianpod at gmail.com. All right, then. Until next week, wear a mask. Take care of yourself and the world around you. And as always, thank you so much for listening. We'll hear you next week.